Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up everyone? And welcome to this week's very, very, very special episode of Stay Grounded with my dear friend and mentor, Mr. Panash Desai. So one of the most um, profoundly impactful human beings to have entered my life. I met him for the first time right before COVID happened. In fact, he was the last person I hung out with in person um, outside of immediate family and my ex-girlfriend. And he just sparked a, a really serious journey of self-introspection. And if you don't know who Panache is, he's a visionary thought leader and a catalyst in the area of human development. He's been on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. He's he's collaborated with Deepak Chopra and Neil Donald Walsh and Joe Dispenza and Ram Das. I could name all the other luminaries that he's worked with. He's also the author of You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and Possibility, which is one of the most gifted books that I have personally given out. And a few months ago, Panache actually called me out of the blue. And he does that from time to time, where he just calls me and we catch up, talk about life, and it's always at the right time. And when he called me, he proposed getting on the podcast again and talking about different concepts that he's been marinating on over the last two years since the dawn of the pandemic. And after we finished recording the episode, it was so apparent, just, I mean, I I needed to hear every single message that came through. His perspectives were so timeless and so timely for myself. And it was a reminder of the the power that we all have to surrender to something deeper, to truly actually own and embrace our humanity, to be reminded of infinite possibilities and to trust in a greater unfolding. And I just really appreciate Panache. I appreciate the way he shows up. I appreciate how consistent he is with himself, his message, his vision, his service to the world. And one of the most downloaded episodes we've had is actually one of the first episode that I recorded with him, which was right before the pandemic happened. And I'm just excited for you guys to experience this one. Full disclosure, this was not anticipated to be like a traditional stay grounded podcast episode. I actually thought that I was just going to be interviewing him on, you know, things that were present in his life. And then it ended up being such a valuable conversation that we wanted to make sure it was available to you all. So enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Tag Panache and myself on social media. Reach out to him. Let him know how the episode or anything that we said resonated for you. Reach out to me. I love hearing from you guys. This podcast is something that brings me so much nourishment and joy. And knowing that you guys are taking a few minutes out of your day to spend it with us just means the world to me. So thank you so much for giving us your attention. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and for prioritizing your own well-being. And without further ado, here is my dear friend and mentor, Mr. Panash Desai. Enjoy. Oh man, it's been so long. I, it's, I was actually reflecting on just 
our relationship, you know, the, the day I met you was like the weekend before COVID began. Yeah. You were the last person I hung out with before COVID. Wow. Right. It's amazing. Like, it, literally the last like semblance of some, like the old world, nor- the old normal, whatever that was, it was like, that was it. So you literally went from hanging out with me into a three-year personal retreat of growth and evolution and expansion. Sounds perfect. I mean, like I couldn't write a movie. I couldn't write a script better than that. Like (laughs) you opened up the portal. Thankfully, you wrote the whole thing. So I blame you entirely. Thankfully, I wrote the whole thing. Let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. How are we writing? So you, so, and, and this is so beautiful because it's been a joy for me to witness your evolution. And, and the one thing that I will say is that for me, there's no before and after as it relates to you. So the version of you that I'm experiencing now is the version of you for me that always existed. Mm-hmm. And what shifted is that through the acceptance of yourself, through the awareness of yourself, you are now actualizing more and embodying more of who you really are. And, you know, when I met you, that was somebody who thought they had to figure out who they were or adhere to some role or responsibility or some obligation. But what you've discovered is actually really quite beautiful, which is that who you are is beyond all of those things. And the reason why I can say that you know, this is a a wonderful design on your part is because when we examine reality, and especially when we allow ourselves to be with it through the lens of our cultural heritage, we can very quickly begin to see that a lot of what our ancestors were speaking of were actually just possibilities, potentials, and eventualities that were an insight into the very fabric and essential nature of reality itself. So for example, in India, there's a village there and you can, you can go there. You take your name, your grandfather's name, your great grandfather's name, and they read what's known as a Nadi leaf. And a Nadi leaf is literally just a leaf. <laughs> and all of a sudden somewhere, all of the information related to your life is encoded on this leaf. Mm. And this reader is able to tell you everything about you from the moment you were born to the moment you die and everything that will happen in between. So for me, how is it that there's a recording of who I am or who Raj is in existence in lieu of the fact that Raj and Panache have already existed somewhere in this infinite universe? Somewhere in time and space, this has to have already happened in order for there to be a record of us, right? Mm. It's fascinating to me that in light of the evidence that we receive on a daily basis, that life is 100% going to go its way 100% of the time, we continue to allude to these false frameworks or notions of free will, choice, manifestation. We latch on to these more surface-level mind interpretations of spirituality and reality instead of just dealing with reality as it is. And so reality as it is is nothing more than an avenue through which you are becoming aware of what? Aware of the essence of who you are. And that's all this is. You know, our ancestors called this Maya. Okay. Silicon Valley and, and more tech inclined human beings refer to this as a simulation, right? The Buddhists refer to it as the ocean of samsara. 
But the funny thing is that in every tradition, shamanic, indigenous, whatever, <clears throat> there is some basis of understanding or awareness that the world of form and phenomenon is actually the illusion itself. That if you can taste it, touch it, see it, know it, then it isn't it, right? So as famously translated at one point or another by Dr. Wayne Dyer, the Tao cannot be named, it cannot be understood, right? This consciousness cannot be known, it cannot be experienced, right? However it is. <clears throat> and so there's just a certain isness to life, right? And when I met you, you were on the verge of this opening and this awakening into, okay, wait a minute, who am I beyond these two programmed lenses of perception? The conscious version of who I am and the unconscious version of who I am. Who am I beyond these two lenses, both of which only allow me to partially see myself? And the answer is love, awareness. Mm. The constant is the awareness. The constant is the one who is aware, right? The observer, the witness, as defined by modern Western psychology. And then life is what? Life is then just surrendering to this creation, this already in existence, already in being manifestation. So when you actually live your life that way, there are, there are some major kind of points, some major kind of attributes that you're able to cultivate. The first is trust. The second is surrender. And then also, you no longer then need to be in the pursuit of anything material or external. You're no longer living a, a pain-fueled, significance-driven life because you realize that all of that doesn't mean anything either. The success doesn't mean very much of anything. The money doesn't mean very much of anything. It's nice to have a better circumstance or a better standard of living, sure. But if you don't have that, guess what? It doesn't disqualify you from the truth that you're still an infinite being with an infinite potential. This love, this light, this presence that you are is the very essence of it all. And so that's basically what's happened to you. You know, you've, you've gone through this <laughs> shedding of all of these layers, right, of what it means to be a son, what it means to be a boyfriend, what it means to be in relationship, what it means to be a business owner, what it means to be an entrepreneur, what it means to be all of these things. But all of these things, none of them were actually authentic to you, mm. right? And now, like who I'm sitting with and why I'm so excited to be with you again is because I get to experience who Raj actually is. Today. <laughs> Today, instead <laughs> of who Raj once believed he needed to be. And that's the shift. Thank you mm -hmm. for seeing me. Thank you for always seeing me and for nudging the journey and questions and inspiring and sparking the questions, the curiosity. I am um, curious just from, so there's Soul Raj that, you know, believes in everything you're saying. And then there's, there's a version of me that also wants to cling on, not cling, but lean into this idea that we do have choice, mm -hmm. that we do have, uh, like our choices do matter. You know, mm -hmm. the way we treat people does matter. The things we say, the way we show up for the things that matter to us matters. Mm -hmm. And so how do you balance this, this sort of free, infinite nature of, of like time and space where we're all just on this timeline and it's already mm -hmm. pre-written with 
this very, re- it, to me, it feels very real that we do have the ability to create and to, and to, to impact others and to leave yeah. and to share love in beautiful ways. Yeah. Well, your ego really likes that idea. Cool. <laughs> and actually most people who are in the personal development or spiritual development space would actually agree with you that there is some semblance of choice. But that is because they have not had a depth of experience of themselves. And when you realize that we're not living in this dualistic framework, that we're living in this oneness, right? This totality of Mm. existence. Then you realize that, well, actually, there's nothing against me. There's nothing that I have to strive for. That life on one level is actually just spontaneously unfolding within the field of my awareness in every moment. And so, yes... And let's just play it out, right? So let's say that you do have free will or you do have choice. Well, that in and of itself creates a negative externality. Because if you do have free will and you do have choice, then that introduces the possibility of failure. Where there's the possibility of failure, well, then there has to be fear. Where there's fear, well, then there has to be control. Where there's control, then there has to be repression or suppression. And actually what we've done is just completely articulated the architecture of suffering. But where there's surrender and there's an awareness to be fluid with oneself in one's expression, meaning let's just forgo the whole spiritual thing. Let's just focus on the whole being human thing. Now, Mm. what happens if we start to meet ourselves with greater acceptance and we cultivate a greater awareness about who we are as a human being? Naturally, we uncover that everything that everybody said about us is actually false or incomplete or just a projection of their own state of being. In that, we begin to realize that who and what we are is love. Now, the funny thing about that, Raj, is that then once you begin to realize that who and what you are is love, that's actually the only thing that you can offer into your life. Yeah. So... This awareness, this surrender, this trust becomes its own self-governing principle because you operate from the sovereignty of love, right? Why? Because you don't have the externality of free will. You don't have the externality then of failure, right? Then you no longer have to be afraid, you see? And when we look at reality, what is it that perpetuates suffering? Fear. What is it that perpetuates separation? Fear. What is it that perpetuates striving and producing and accumulating and wanting to prove your value and your worth? Fear. So, yes, you have the illusion of choice. However, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, there is no wrong choice. It's like in my meeting you. What's the likelihood in an infinite universe or the probability in an infinite universe that you and I would ever meet each other? What's the likelihood, right? How does that happen? Well, because clearly there's some divine orchestration or some kismet or some benevolent power unfolding this greater reality. In my awareness, instead of making that some external authority, the truth of it is actually that all of this, this whole play of consciousness, this whole unfolding of life, this whole magnificent spectacle that we get to experience every day is nothing more than my own unfolding from who I am at the level of my soul. 
And just to clarify what that means, right? The foundation of that experience at the level of the soul is this neutrality, right? So what you're speaking to is actually fascinating because it's what we've been exploring lately in, in the, in, in our community. Cause we have these morning meditations every day and I just do these talks and these meditations make them available to everybody just for free because I just want to be of service. Right. And one of the things that we're exploring right now is who are we beyond the unconscious and the conscious? Who are we? What are we? Right. What are we and who are we? Right. And actually the funny thing is that again, we get to this place of awareness and in that place of awareness, there's just neutrality. There's neutrality. And that's that still point. That's that point of connection. That's that place of presence. That's that field of infinite potential and possibilities. But it's like the very second you define it or you, you turn it into something or you label it as something, it then becomes that thing. But then you've separated yourself from the very totality of the experience itself. So if, and I, what I'm struggling with right now, not struggling more, just curious about in the event that, you know, it was pre-orchestrated that we were to meet that was already written in the cards. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things I had to do in my life to create the circumstances or create the environments or create the whether it was respond to an email, whether it was have a podcast, whether it was mm -hmm. be connected to Maverick or whatever, like mm -hmm. there's certain choices I had to make in order for this, right, for our encounter to happen. Mm -hmm. And those choices were made from a level, maybe it wasn't me making, I guess, is that the yes. awareness? Like it wasn't me actually making those choices. I have this illusion that it was me making these choices, but yeah. I was actually... Okay, I think I'm hearing what you're saying right now. <laughs> Let's game theory this out a little bit, right? So just imagine, just imagine, right, that throughout the course of your life, right, that you could ever take a misstep or make a mistake, okay? So let's just say that change was actually possible or available. That would mean that literally you would throw the whole ecosystem called life into a state of imbalance, because what is that need for change based on? Typically, it's based on somebody else's conditioning or programming, somebody else's interpretation of reality, what it means to be a human being, right? So what we have to first understand is that we are following everybody else's interpretations. And in adhering to everyone else's interpretations, we're fundamentally invalidating the simplicity of the design itself. So yes, on one level, you had this participation that happened, right? There was a chain of events, a series of events that unfolded, right? But ultimately, all of that is a part of the grand design too, you see? And where I think this becomes hard is that we don't understand our value and our worth. And so therefore, we then have to think that we have to do something in order to receive our value and our worth, right? So we're brought up in a society or a culture where our worth and our value is tied up in production. So all of a sudden, when I meet you or somebody who's an entrepreneur and I say to them, hey, guess what? The first thing we're going to do is uncover the art of surrender. Well, that's a completely foreign reality to them. That's a paradigm that they don't understand. Why? Because their whole lives, they've never been enough for themselves. 
They've had to work hard, produce, create, innovate, and do something in order to receive something. But what if just for one moment, and let's just game theory this out, what if you could never miss what was meant for you? What if actually everything would just naturally find you? Why? Because it's meant to find you. What if we applied this to relationships and dating? How about instead of everyone putting all of this effort and energy out in order to affect some outcome that may or may not be actually what they authentically want? It's what they think they want. It's what they've been brainwashed and hypnotized into believing they want. But it might not be. Because that same person that pivots into relationship will one day be that same person that wishes that relationship never happened based on where they were when that relationship came into being within themselves, right? So we've been conditioned into this world of wants, personal development, and all of these things that we're following are significance-driven, fueled by pain. So it's basically all about the avoidance of the pain. So we become successful to avoid the pain. We become famous to avoid the pain, right? Because we're trying to do everything we can to escape the pain or avoid the pain that we couldn't be with, that we're unwilling to accept, right? And so literally everything is about becoming somebody, about proving something. It's, it's all about self-image. It's all surface level. It's all based on identity. And free will and all of these things that you're talking about are all perfect because they work perfectly within the architecture of this identity-based game, the significance-driven life, right? It's like the hungry ghost striving for more. Absolutely. All of those things work really well. However, you and I both know they don't bring you an ounce of joy. They don't bring you an ounce of fulfillment. They provide you no meaning in your life. They lead you to engage in vacuous activities that everyone else is engaging in, and they're not sustainable long-term. And typically there's some price or cost that you have to pay in order to play the game. And typically that price or cost is because you are being fueled by this pain or this dissonance in order to become somebody, the stress and the inauthenticity of that in and of itself is going to eventually lead to some imbalance, some addiction, some form of self-destruction. Because no matter how much you get to that finality, because you don't deserve it, you then have to destroy yourself when you get there because you weren't worthy of it in the first place. Because your value was tied up in what you did. You were never valued for who you were as a human being. I want to talk about the difficulty in surrender mm -hmm. for individuals that are living inside of this ego-based game, right? Like I hear the simplicity of moving to this model. Mm -hmm. And then I also honor the complexities of the human experience with relationship. Right. Like, and being able to have, have, have beautiful, open, loving relationships, which sometimes requires you to, it's like you're always battling what's the right choice. What's not, what's the right thing to say? What's not the right thing to say? You know, and, and entrepreneurship is one thing, but then I think that like the whole dimension, there's, there's so many different layers to the way we relate to what's outside of us. And so I guess, how do you lean in or integrate? that idea of surrender into relationship with others, whether it be intimacy, whether it be, whether it be the people you love, whether it be anyone around you. I mean, and I don't know, maybe this is, I'm answering my own question. Like, I feel like 
I don't know if they're falling in love with, I don't know. I'm just going to stop there because I don't really know what I'm asking, but I'm assuming you kind of no, feel what I'm what you're getting asking. at. It's beautiful. So, so let's talk about how we ended up here. So how we ended up here was self-rejection. Somebody rejected you. And then that then became your own rejection of self, right? And when we look at the notion of wounding, really, and we're all supposed to have this wounding, there's only really one wounding, and that's that we've rejected ourselves. It's one thing that other people have done it to us, but it's another thing that we've done it to ourselves and that we continue to perpetuate it, right? So that's the first thing. So how do we unwind the wounding? Well, the first thing is we have to realize that we inherently as human beings have value, right? So I love you for the human being that you are because I love myself for the human being that I am. That's being connected. That's being in relationship. And what people fail to realize is that if somebody can't love you for the human being that you are, and I mean the totality of the human being that you are, then they don't deserve the rest of it. Mm. And again, it comes back to value. Really, why you're in this ping-ponging between choices or needing to analyze or needing to understand or needing to figure out is because you think that there's one version of you that's more acceptable than another. You think there's one version of you that's more right than another. And all I'm saying is, I love the totality of Raj. There's no one version of Raj that's any better than any other as far as I'm concerned. I love the totality of the package, right? But that's a product and a function of you finally loving the totality of the package that you are, right? And this again boils down to what I shared in the beginning, right? We are on this framework, this false framework. It's a false chase. It's another false ideology or metric that we're aspiring to, which is being conscious. Why? Because somebody told us that being unconscious was the problem, that being unconscious was wrong, right? But then all of a sudden, we've invalidated one whole half of ourselves. Okay, but what if life is just an initiation into who we are beyond the unconscious and the conscious? You know, it's like, Mm. I don't want to be a member of a high vibrational community. I want to be a member of a community that's highly aware of its bullshit. Mm. You know, like that to me, (laughs) like that to me is such a safe place for me to land. You know, it's such an accommodating place. It's such a real place because in that moment, if you have a moment of showing me something other than what's been approved of by other people, I'm not rejecting you. I can meet you with empathy and compassion because that's who you are. That's the human being that you are. And so it ties into this notion of different and trying to have something be different, right? But it's almost become a form of self-censorship, right? We're living in a world where we're self-centering. We can't say what we really want to say. We can't be who we really want to be because we're operating under the assumption that who we truly are is not wanted. Mm. And it ties back to the wounding of rejection, right? You're this sweet little kid. You're running around, pure love, pure vibration, pure light, pure potential. But gradually, layer by layer of rejection, layer by layer of programming, layer by layer of conditioning began to override the pure authentic expression of love that you are. But in that moment that you made yourself wrong, you made the light and the love that you are wrong. You made the authentic truth of who you are wrong, you see? 
and you've been trying to figure out how to make it right, instead of realizing that that isn't something that needs to be made right because it was never wrong in the first place. You see, what you're really saying to me is, how do I get people who don't love themselves to love me? <laughs> that's really that's really what you're saying to me. Right? You don't realize you're saying it, but that's what you're saying to me. Hey, Panache, how do I get people who don't authentically love themselves to love me? And the only reason why you're asking me that question is because the people who do really love themselves already love you, mm. who you are. Just feel the presence of that love and that support in your heart. Because the presence of that love and support invalidates the story. It invalidates the past. It invalidates that lack of acceptance. It makes it all null and void. You see, because all of these other things require the absence of that love and support in the present in order to continue to exist. It's so easy to forget that we yeah. have access to this. In fact, that was one of the first things I remember learning from you, which actually set me down the three-year journey. But I think I remembered you telling me, if there's something you don't like in someone else, resolve it within yourself. Yeah. I remember that and, and I don't know why that's coming back right now, but this, even what you just brought to my awareness was the anchoring into the remembrance of the love that I have for myself. Yeah. And that, that's actually the anchor. It's not, the reference point is not in the other person mm. accepting me or loving me or rejecting me. It's, the anchor is actually here in my awareness, in my body, in my experience. It's the place that you were taught not to look for it. Yeah. You know, your whole life you were taught to look for it outside of you. You know, everything's been made outside of you, right? Even in some traditions and cultures, God is an external force or phenomenon, right? Love becomes an external force or phenomenon. Your power becomes an, ex an, an external force or phenomenon. Belonging is outside of you. And the only, the only outcome that you can ever hope to accomplish by this externalization of everything that's authentically inherently present within is suffering. Because then you engage in this codependent relationship with your own love. You engage in this codependent relationship with your own empowerment. You're, you're engaging in this codependent relationship with your own belonging with your peace, with your everything, right? But eventually what you'll do is through this acceptance, through this awareness and this actualization, right? Because the acceptance and the awareness allows for alchemy. So for example, when you finally allow yourself to accept your rage and you become aware of it, it will all of a sudden begin to naturally or by itself shift. Why? Well, because you're no longer pushing it away or making it wrong. You're just embracing it, right? And so this is how we find freedom. The current transformational model of fixing, healing, changing, improving, and improving, fixing, healing, changing, and improving is fundamentally flawed. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And it never will. And the whole notion of successing your way out of your suffering, well, that doesn't work either. But for over 820 days now, 
I've been coming together with a group of people from all over the world, about two to 3,000 people every morning, and we have been accepting ourselves. And through that acceptance, we've become safe places for ourselves so that we can become aware of ourselves. And as a result of that awareness, we are more loving than we were the day before. Why do we need to be safe to be aware? I would love to understand the role that safety plays in awareness. Well, safety plays a role in everything, you see, right? And safety is is interesting because let's say you had a very angry father who was very volatile and you swore that you would never be like your father, right? But all of a sudden you discover this rage inside of you. Well, what happens is the presence of that pain, that emotional pain, that rage renders you unsafe to yourself. That's Mm -hmm. why people control it, you see. And so safety in the context of that can be finally being at peace with yourself, with your emotional state, with your inner landscape, with your inner reality on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a physical level, at the level of identity and also at the level of spiritual ego, right? So that means that the more I'm able to accept who I am, the more I'm at peace with who I am, the safer I become, the safer I become. So it's interesting because when you look at trauma, right, and deeply buried trauma, this is why most people will never be able to access the depth of the trauma that they've experienced in their lives. It's because they haven't become a safe place from within which it can arise, right, from within which it can emerge. So the calmer you become, the more peaceful you become, the more accepting you become, the more this trauma that you're carrying around can come up. Yeah. You see? And it's in the coming up, it's in the awareness of it, that it begins to shift, right? The act of becoming aware in and of itself is the act of integration. People don't realize that. See, they think they think it's more complicated than that, and it just isn't, you know? You're finally just becoming aware of the totality of the rage that you rejected, that you pushed away because you didn't want to be like dad. And then you finally one day just allow yourself to experience it, to no longer make it wrong, to no longer make yourself wrong for having it. And you finally just allow it to be there. And the blessing is when you do this consciously, you don't have to act it out in anybody else because you realize that it's not about anybody else. And that ties so perfectly into everything that I shared with you when I first met you, which is if you have a problem with something that somebody else is doing, deal with it inside of you. This is wisdom. This is empowerment. This is freedom. That's what this whole illusion, simulation, Maya is for. It's just that people don't know that they can use their illusion. They don't know that they can use their reality in this way or work with their reality in this way. But after a while, you start to use it. You start to pay attention. You start to make the most of it. And then you catalyze everything even more. At that point, then, this realization of self-love just compounds inside of you until eventually all that's left is this awareness and this love. (laughs) That's how. That's why. I missed you. (laughs) Yeah, I missed you too. But it's a joy, you know, for me, because I always say this to people, you know, it's it's such a joy to witness the flowering of a human being. Mm. And that human being, every human being is eventually destined to flower, right? That's just the season that we're living in. That's the age that we're living in, right? Is that every human being is becoming aware. This is why AI and technology will never constitute life. No matter how great Elon gets it, 
creating these robots, they're never going to constitute life because they will never be self-aware. In the absence of that self-awareness, you are not alive. And this is why this whole human thing is so amazing. Because you're supposed to be unconscious. You're supposed to be experiencing everything that you are until one day love enters your life, even for the smallest amount of time. And that love in its purest form, that acceptance in its purest form, serves as the catalyst for the awareness of yourself and the revelation of the love within you. And so it's a joy to see the flowering of you. <laughs> and it's a joy to witness that every day. So there's the unconscious me, there's the conscious me, and then there's mm -hmm. the real me. Yes. Right? To me, I have found that the most fulfillment comes from being in alignment, like bringing everything that's unconscious to conscious awareness, but right. then surrendering into the real me. Right. Is that the right way to think about this? Or if I had to it think is. about a, a life well lived, right? Like if I really wanted mm -hmm. to live into life fully, mm -hmm. is that the journey of just bringing what's unconscious to conscious awareness and then, and then surrendering to the will of everything that's present? It can be based on the assumption that there's a journey. And what I mean by that is, what is the unconscious programming conditioning? What is the conscious programming and conditioning? Right? So it doesn't matter to me whether you're unconscious or conscious. Just be aware of the fact that you are. Mm. Why? Because the awareness is the constant. So where most people have a problem is that when they're aware of the fact that they're unconscious, they make themselves wrong because there's this internal hierarchical order or structure that they're trying to adhere to, which states that being conscious is better than being unconscious. But naturally what they're doing is diminishing themselves and making themselves wrong and further perpetuating the incompletion and the lack of integration. But what if both the conscious and the unconscious are just concepts, programming, conditioning? What if that's all they are? And that who you are is the one who's aware, the constant, right? And so rather than even identifying as conscious or unconscious or even making it a thing, just realize you're aware. And realize that inside of that awareness, the unconscious and the conscious, these programs, these constructs are going to ebb and flow. But that actually neither one of those is who you truly are. As you're speaking, I'm... You're right. Even the conscious mind is, I'm programmed. It's programmed by something because we're alive. Even though I'm conscious of it doesn't mean it's not a program. And so the way to truly be living in boundless creative expression is to be in awareness. It exactly. isn't. Yeah. If I took a coin and I spun it on a table, that coin would remain at pure potential. It would remain at the level of infinite potential. But the very second that coin falls on one side or the other, that potential becomes limited because all of a sudden it's taken a form. You see, it's become heads or tails. But if I just allow that coin to spin and I just leave it alone, all things are possible. I'm living in infinite potentials, infinite possibilities, because in any moment that coin can be whatever it needs to be. I'm not predetermining or pre-qualifying an outcome. And that's what we're becoming. We're becoming this freedom, this 
spinning coin, this infinite being, this infinite awareness and presence that is not identifying as anything. You know, in this world where we're being conditioned to compartmentalize and identify into smaller and smaller boxes to find conformity and belonging, we don't realize that we're being sentenced into prisons that are more confining. People think that that's a, a way to attain freedom, but it isn't. Because the more you compartmentalize, by definition, a human being, the more you limit them. Because then they have to adhere to the confines of that definition, and they have to operate within the prison of whatever that construct is. So to be aware is to be free of all constructs, to be aware of the fact that you are programmed, that you are conditioned, that you are your parents, that you're going to, when you have children, you're going to parent exactly like your parents. <laughs> the only difference is you're going to be aware of the fact that you are. When you're in relationship, you're going to become aware of all of the, the parenting, all of the relationship dynamics, and all of the relationship constructs that you've taken on, right? And you're going to act them out verbatim, even though you swear that you wouldn't. And you've efforted so hard to try not to be like all these parameters that you experienced, right? And so this is where we have to realize that we're neither. We're not conscious and we're not unconscious. We are awareness. We are the one who is aware. <laughs> and this is freedom. In its truest sense, to be aware is to be free. Right? To be aware to be aware of the fact that I have an ego, to be aware of the fact that I have a spiritual ego, to be aware of the fact that I have a body, to be aware of the fact that I have a mind, to be aware of the fact that I have these emotions and feelings. I am not these things. I'm having the experience of these things. But who and what I am is the one who is aware. So I'm curious about your perspectives on the role of... Because from this lens... It's almost like both the hero being the hero of your story and being the victim in your story are both like they're both programs. Yes. They're both programs that play in front of us. And as we go through life and we have highs and lows or we have difficulties or adversities, whether it be in the form of a health challenge or in the form of a business challenge or anything, how does one in this infinite plane being here, how can one actually lean into identity? To maybe not, because there's no right or wrong. We just discussed that, right? But yeah. to maybe create a more, maybe fulfilling, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm wondering how does one bring in the identity to the very real dance with life? So I've had people who have been a part of the morning meditations or impact or, you know, things that I've offered who have been going through cancer or illnesses or diseases. And the first thing that we have to recognize is that, or first thing that we, we help people realize is that the cancer in and of itself isn't something that we have to fight against. It's something that's trying to show us something about ourselves. And, you know, in the majority of instances where people have gone through chemo, cancer, and all these different things, the one thing that they realize is that what cancer itself is trying to show them is the degree to which they have to prioritize themselves, love themselves, and care for themselves. And that that's what the function and the purpose of cancer or illness or disease actually is. It's helping us become aware of where we have forgotten about ourselves 
The other thing that it does is it rids you of your self-image. It rids you of your identity because it introduces mortality into your awareness. All of a sudden you're confronted by this notion that you're going to die. And it allows you to become vulnerable. Mm. And this vulnerability is so important because maybe for the first time in your life, as somebody who's going through stage four cancer, you have to cultivate the courage to say, I need help. I need support. I can't do this by myself. I'm not sure how I'm going to make it. That vulnerability, that crack in this well-formed egoic identity or facade is the avenue through which grace enters that person's life. And we've had people community-wide for over 820-something days now go through transplant surgeries, divorces, financial issues, shifting their location physically, everything, you name it, right? We've had people transitioning that they love. But the one thing that has fundamentally brought them a sense of peace in the midst of their human experience is the acceptance of it. Not fighting against it, not wishing it away, not wanting it to be different, but actually just accepting the fact that it's happening and gleaning the gift. And it sounds so weird to say that, right? Like, how is cancer a gift? How is a divorce a gift? How is, you know, a financial restructuring a gift? How is infighting in the family a gift, right? But actually, when we begin to look at life, when we begin to realize, hey, wait a minute, all of this thing called life is actually here so that I can become aware of myself. And that even these things that I've been taught to reject or taught to fight against or rail against, that, that I am making the cause of my experience, even these things that I've been programmed and conditioned to believe are the cause of my suffering, well, they're actually not. They're actually the instruments of my freedom and liberation. That this cancer is actually an instrument of my freedom and liberation. That this divorce is actually an instrument of my freedom and liberation. This change in my financial circumstance is an instrument in my freedom and liberation. That actually everything in life is an initiation into freedom and liberation. Why is freedom and liberation the North Star? Because ultimately it is the place from which you are able to engage in life without identifying with it, without making it mean anything about you, without drawing any conclusions about who and what you are, you see. And so freedom and liberation for me is just a function of total acceptance of self, right? The more I can accept who Panash Desai is and the more I can be at peace with that and the more I can be inclusive of that, then no matter what happens in life, I'm okay. Why? Because, Raj, you and I both know that the greatest point of friction in the human experience is in dealing with our humanity, <laughs> right? On a spiritual level, nobody needs anything. We're already whole and complete on that level. But where we struggle every day is, what do I do when I'm sad? What do I do when I'm in my mind? You know, how do I navigate this physical challenge? How do I navigate my identity? How do I navigate this circumstance, right? But how do we remove the friction of being human? by no longer making being human the problem. The very second we realize that being human is the reason why we came here, we're free. Now, I say this to people all the time. You buy a ticket, you go to Universal Studios, you're going to Diagon Alley. Eventually, you're going to end up in Hogsmeade and you're going to be served butterbeer. But when you get served butterbeer in Hogsmeade on Diagon Alley at the Harry Potter 
right, attraction that you bought a ticket to, don't be surprised, right? It's a package deal. It's a part of being human, you see. So we have compartmentalized the human experience so much so that we're unwilling to have the totality of the human experience, right? And that's the only limitation. If there is a limitation, it's us limiting our humanity, It's us denying ourselves based on our humanity, based on the perception, the conditioning, the teaching, the training that we've received from others. Why do some people wake up, if you want to use that word, to this to this way of being and others don't? If this is the natural path of like if all of love wants to ascend into freedom and liberation, why is it that some people who two individuals who might get a cancer diagnosis, one might lean into this, the other might not. Like, what's the brilliance from a 60,000 foot view of that? Well, at that level, everybody's already awake and there's no difference. And so what are we doing? We're just making people aware of it. So at the 60,000 level view, everybody's already enlightened. Everybody's already everything. There's nothing missing. Maybe at the 10 foot view. But the temple view, it's horrible. Everything's wrong. I can't stand it. Why is this happening to me? This is, this is the worst thing ever. What did I do? What mistake did I make? I knew I shouldn't have stayed married to that guy for as long as I did. This career is killing me, right? That's the temple level. So it truly is like, I mean, some people will never actually get to that awareness. Everybody's already at that awareness. Everybody's already at that awareness. They're just. The world and the universe and everything in creation is a function and a product of you. And the only reason why you don't see it that way is because you don't see yourself that way. Because somebody told you that you weren't, that you weren't enlightened, that you weren't love, that you weren't abundant, that you're in some way, shape or form, you're not who you're supposed to be. You're not who you're meant to be. It's so difficult sometimes to see others suffer. Mm -hmm. And especially when you know that there's just this one thing. If they just understood this one idea, mm-hmm. this one concept that it would alleviate so much of their suffering. Mm-hmm. But suffering so, in the presence of somebody else's suffering doesn't alleviate their suffering. What do you mean? You well, just went over I my mean, head. <laughs> if, someone, if someone's drowning and you jump in and you can't swim to save them, you're both going to drown. So in that moment, again, it goes back to, okay, Why am I incapable of being with this person's choice and this person's journey? Mm. Why am I not able to accept that this person has a physical challenge that they've chosen to experience and go through as a part of their journey of becoming aware of themselves? Maybe one day I'll have to go through cancer. Maybe one day I'll have to go through something, right? But don't suffer for me. Accept it as my choice because it is all my choice. And this is love. You know, love is accepting the choices of others. This is what it means to be a sovereign being. To be a sovereign being means to honor the sovereignty of everybody else already. Yeah, you said it beautifully. My biggest problem is I can't find anything wrong with anybody. I wish I could. It would be so much easier for me. I'd get out my toolbox, get out my wrench tighten a few loose screws and bolts, send them back on their way. My problem is I can't find anything wrong with you. 
Can't find anything to fix, can't find anything to heal. I can't find anything broken. And I can't find anything wrong with you because you were made by an infinite intelligence. You are exactly the way that you need to be in order to live your life. And through living your life, you are setting us all free. If I were to change any one thing about you, that function and that greater promise would not be fulfilled. How do we let go of our attachments? Well, just be attached. Don't let go of them. Again, it's like, okay, if I'm attached to something, the only reason why there's an issue here is that there's the assumption that you shouldn't be. Right? I said this to people once. I said, listen, here's what I want you to do. Just imagine you're a kid, this cute teeny weeny kid with your arms wide open and your heart's full of love and whatever life presents you, run toward it. So if you find yourself in a moment of attachment, ah, oh, be that kid, arms wide open, heart full of love, run toward it. Be as excited and enthusiastic about being attached as you are about not being attached. I've found for me that my attachments create suffering. But that implies that you're not supposed to suffer. That implies that there's something wrong with the suffering. That suffering is fundamentally flawed. That suffering shouldn't exist. That suffering is, is not a part of life. Well, guess what? Why do we suffer? We suffer so that we can be shown the limitations of who we are at the level of our identity. Crisis is an entry point and an avenue into surrender and freedom. We just don't welcome it. We don't accept it. We don't embrace it. We don't understand the purpose of suffering, so we make it wrong. Because somebody told you that suffering is wrong. Suffering isn't wrong. And actually, when you embrace it, it's not suffering. Yeah. It's just what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. You know, when I went through, my daughter Celeste was born with a congenital heart defect, right? And um, even before she was born, they told me that she was going to die or she'd be born with severe disabilities or she'd be born and she'd need immediate medical intervention, but we should prepare for the worst and uh, the best that we can hope to experience would be palliative care and a smooth and swift transition for her. So she was born and uh, within the first 12 hours of her life, she had her first medical intervention. They put a pacemaker on her and she spent 18 months of her life in the hospital. Right? And she went through all of that right, so that I can be who I am today. Why? Because that experience showed me what about myself. It showed me how powerless I am. It showed me that I had to surrender even my attachment to her living. I had to surrender that, right? And now she's seven, right? Doing perfectly fine, right? Like you wouldn't even know that she had a heart transplant, okay? So, but in that moment, it's easy to say, well, this shouldn't be happening, that there's something wrong, that there's something happening here that's malevolent or bad, or there's something out of place, right? But in that moment, we, we miss the fact that she had to go through all of that for her, but she also had to go through all of that for all of us, so that we could experience what we had to experience in relationship to her going through what she went through. And then you realize, okay, well, wait a minute. That moment, which was hard because she almost died like three or four times during that 18-month window, was actually the best thing that ever happened. 
because it cured me of the need to be famous. It cured me of the need to be、mm. successful. It cured me of the illusion. It cured me of the need to be spiritual. It cured me of the need for all of these things that I had been taught to believe in that were important or that mattered. Because guess what? None of those things were important. None of those things mattered. And it was really like the final doorway of initiation that I had to walk through personally. Right? Can I let go of my attachment to my own daughter living? Can I? Because until I could, it was very painful. So the suffering increased to the degree to which I was unwilling to let go. But as soon as I let go, I found freedom.、Mm. And here she is today, seven years later, doing just fine. Right? So we've been conditioned to have this averse nature to suffering. But that's because we don't understand its purpose. We don't understand every single one of us today is who we are because of the worst thing that we went through in our perception and the best thing we went through in our perception. Had we not had those experiences, we wouldn't be who we are. Like, how would you and I be able to relate to each other? There's no way. So everything in our life, no part of it is out of place. Everything becomes the avenue through that personal experience that you can love another human being authentically. Why? Because you've experienced it. So when things are hard, I think there's the desire to be grateful and there's the very, and when I become aware, it's like, okay, I'm not being grateful. Even this, I would, like, I, I have tools that I come out like, oh, Raj, like five years ago when you were sitting in a cubicle, if you would have told yourself you'd be living this life, like, I have to remind myself to get there. But it's really hard to be grateful when things are hard or when things aren't perfect. How would you maybe advise someone like myself that? Well, in that moment that you're unable to be grateful for it, you forgot that you put yourself there. So the reason why you're not grateful for it is because you think that you ended up there somehow by some accident. But once you realize, well, wait a minute, I have put myself in every situation in order for myself to have an experience. There's nothing but gratitude. But then at that point, you don't even have to be grateful as a practice. You just are. Because you realize that all of these things, no matter what they are, right? This experience of being a human being, no matter what it is, it's all the same thing. It's moving us all into greater self love. That's it. Right? And, and the more we realize that, the more we forgo some of the spiritual interpretations or Practices or modalities or modes, and we become empowered in ourselves. So we don't empower some external form, some teaching, some modality, some person, some practice. We finally become empowered in our, in our humanity and in, in who we are as human beings. And then we're rendered fully capable to live our lives. Like every single one of you is fully capable of living your life. I could never live your life because I wasn't created to live your life. I was created to live mine. So I know that every single thing that I experience as a part of my life, I'm capable of going through it because I am going through it. Because I've had the experiences that I've had. You see? So sometimes we hold on to these spiritual notions again, and this is yet more programming and conditioning. Oh, you have to be grateful, right? But it's almost become something that you have to do instead of it just being a natural expression for everything, right? Like I'm personally just always grateful for everything without needing to be grateful. You know, I don't have to do it as a practice, no matter what it is. 
I guess why am I forgetting so much? Because you think that there's something to remember. You see, the reason why you struggle is because you have made it somewhere other than you, in something other than you, in some other way of being other than the way that you're being. That's why you struggle. But that's why everybody struggles. Right. They've, they've made it somewhere else and something else, and they've bought into this illusion that they have to be somebody else. It's impossible. You're only ever yeah. going to be you. When I connect to that truth that I am the one creating everything in my life, mm -hmm. I feel very empowered. Yeah. And I think when I get lost in the weeds, I, I think I forget that. And I find my, my anchor is coming back to that. But it takes me feeling the feelings to like, it's like when I'm in the charge and the feeling, I, I can't actually. So maybe that's something you can speak to as well as like, yeah. when, when you have the feelings, there's the logic. Like when I, when I come, when I'm rested in peace, I can be there. But when there's all the emotion, mm -hmm. it gets harder. So how would you, so in those moments for, myself or anyone who's listening, watching to this, when there's the feelings, mm -hmm. how do you, uh, smile and breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and the more uncomfortable the feeling, the more you need to smile and breathe. You see, why is an emotion uncomfortable? Because again, you've been conditioned into a hierarchy of emotion as determined and defined by what society. People have trained you to show certain emotions and to repress and suppress others. Just like people have trained you to share certain points of view and to keep other points of view private or share them in the company of others who you deem to be safe, right? So, so it's this compartmentalization of self that's the issue. But you see, really, what is an emotion? It's just a feeling. It's just an energy. It's just something that wants to be experienced. And actually, it doesn't even want to be in you. You just won't give it up. So in that moment when you just smile and breathe and you're just aware of it, it will just wash through you, right? Why? Because again, you're not the emotion. You're just the one who's aware, right? Mm. And also what you have to realize is that you're unpacking this ball of programming that you are, right? So people need to realize that what we are as human beings is just this bundle of conditioning, this bundle of programming, right? This bundle of imprinting. That's what we are as human beings. And so all we have to do is realize that, okay, well, if I'm aware of the fact that I'm a bundle of programming, a bundle of conditioning, right? A bundle of mental constructs, a bundle of emotions. Well, then all I'm doing is unwrapping the bundle every day, right? And then all I have to do is smile and breathe. And why I smile and breathe and why I meet it with such a level of enthusiasm and excitement is because the more I do, the more I unpack that bundle that I actually was always destined to be, there's nothing that I could do to avoid that, I find more freedom on the other side of it. I find more neutrality available to me. I find more spaciousness available to me, right? And so the erroneous notion that you have to challenge is the erroneous notion that you have to do something about your emotions and your feelings. Maybe there's nothing out of place ever within you, within your mind, within your body. Maybe you're not out of place. Maybe you're not out of place. 
And the funny thing is, once you realize that you're not out of place, then somehow, magically, nothing else is. But until you get that you're not a mistake, that you're not broken, that you don't need to be fixed, that you don't need to be healed, that you don't need to be changed, that you don't need to be improved, you will always see something out of place. You'll always see something wrong. Because you're still living in this false framework that who you are isn't enough. That who you are is wrong. And how you see yourself is how you see the world. That's why this is important. Damn it, Panache. <laughs> I know. That's why I give you breaks in between our visits together. Because it takes you about three years to integrate the conversation that we had, you know, and then you're ready for the next installment, right? <laughs> Oh my god, so silly. Oh man. Um as you were speaking, I there's integrating from the whole conversation, but I was really curious about the role of you know truly living and being of service. Mm-hmm. And when I look at you, like you're being of service, right? Like mm-hmm. you're showing up, you're doing the meditations, you wrote the books, like you're living into it and you're creating in that direction for anyone mm-hmm. else who may be listening. How do you really balance, again, the nothingness or that everything is happening as it should and the people that will be impacted will be impacted mm-hmm. and the people that will get the message will get the message with this innate beauty that we all carry and the innate gifts that we all carry to truly make, to leave something behind for others to, like, how do you balance both? Well, I think the first thing that you have to realize is that after a while, there's nothing left for you to do but to love people. And you realize that in loving people, you're loving yourself. That's the first thing. So after a while, there's no difference anymore or point of delineation between giving and receiving. The second thing we have to do is define service. So people are living in this false notion that service means doing something, means taking Mm. some action or engaging in some activity. But actually, what is the true service? Well, the true service is happening at the level of your being. It's the fact that it's not so much about what you're doing. It's about the fact that that individual had to meet the energy or the vibrational quality or the essence of who you are. And that what you're doing is just the excuse to which it's happening. Okay, and then let's define it further. If our perception of ourself defines our reality and humanity is engaged currently in this battle over an ability to define what it means to be a human being, then the greatest service that we can offer any human being is to offer them no definition, is to just allow them to be provide them the freedom to be how they are, provide them the freedom to be themselves. And so for me, service, as it's been spoken of, and as as most people talk about it, it's not a career. It's not something that you do. It's just something that happens. It's a calling, you know. It's not something that you voluntarily align with. Because again, You've been programmed and brainwashed and hypnotized into believing that you should be doing something, right? It's just something that naturally arises. 
you know. And so that service is, so, and what's interesting about the service, right? So let's look at that. You know, every morning I'm showing up, but I'm fully aware of the fact that I'm only talking to God and that God doesn't need anything from me. That whoever comes is already everything. That's why I could never be anybody's teacher, never be anybody's guru. I could never be, never be any of these things. All I can do is be your friend. Because you see, everybody already has these things and we're all the same. I don't understand what the big deal is. There's nothing missing in anybody. It's just that we don't see ourselves that way, right? So my service, I guess, if you could call it that, is just to help you see yourself through the eyes of love. And maybe that's the, as I'm listening to you speak, like whatever your authentic core is, unconditionally giving that is mm -hmm. service. So yes. if your authentic core like I feel extremely driven to do certain things. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter why I have those feelings. Mm -hmm. It's authentically embracing them without judgment and creating through that and serving through that lens. Yeah. yeah. That's the service. Yes, because at first, right? At first when you do something, it's about proving something to yourself about yourself. Yeah. So for example, when I meet an entrepreneur and they start their first business, it's basically like a giant way of them proving to everyone in their lives that everyone in their lives was wrong about them and that they could be successful doing it and they could make money and they could support themselves, right? But then once they, once they mature beyond that, right? And they realize that, well, success doesn't actually mean that at all. If I'm not peaceful, I'm not successful. Well, that's right around the time when their service begins. Yeah. And so what we have to realize is that we're already connected to everybody at the deepest level, that we're all the same. And that when you realize that we're all connected to each other and we're all the same, the only thing that you can really offer the world that has any value is your love. That's it. Like, there's really nothing else you can do, right? At that point, you can't teach somebody because there's nothing to teach them. You just need to love them, right? You can't, it's not a strategy because you can't get there through a strategy. You just have to love them, right? It's not an understanding. You just have to love them, right? And so three years ago, when I just, when I met you, I just loved you. <laughs> That's it. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, hey, you know, here's a strategy. Here's a PDF presentation. You know, here's practices that you have to do. It wasn't any of that. It was just loving you, right? And then everything unfolded as a result of that, just loving you for being you and appreciating you from being you. And it looks like you went on a journey, but really you went nowhere. <laughs> You're still the same, Raj. <laughs> you know, still the same person. Yeah. It's just now you have less of a problem being you than you did three years ago. That's the only thing that shifted. You're more accepting. You're more aware. You're more loving and you're more spacious in the experience of being the human being that you are. Mm. That's it. Yeah. I think this is just bringing in so much awareness to why it's impossible to compare yourself to others too. Mm -hmm. like it's just impossible to compare your success, your service, your impact, your life to others because that inherently implies that what you're experiencing 
is not meant to be experienced. Right. Yeah. And also you can't compare yourself to anyone else because every single person is a unique manifestation of you in the first place. That was another thing I remember you teaching me pretty early on. <laughs> Everything's a mirror. <laughs> Go away, Panache. I don't need to hear. Th- I'm not ready for this right now. <laughs> oh man. I, oh man. No, that was that was the most important piece of advice I got actually. Because right after that, COVID happened, and I, you know, was in a 700 square foot apartment with my ex girlfriend at the time, which was the most potent mirror. I was not willing to look at. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to lean in mirrors. Mirrors. And the only thing that's different is now you're in a different apartment with a different girlfriend. And I'm very much leaning into this mirror. See, that's the (laughs) difference, right? But see, you've gone nowhere. You're in exactly the same place as you were when I found you, just a different geographic location, right? It's just now you're more accepting and more loving and more spacious with yourself than you were when I first met you. This is this is the thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's so silly. Oh boy, I'm very proud of you. You know, it's, it's very hard to, to see yourself, you know, it's hard to see yourself, right? Because people don't want to, they've been taught not to, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier to distract everybody with your success and with your accomplishments than it is to see yourself, right? And when you actually take the time to see yourself and see who you've become and realize the person that you are it's the most fulfilling and rewarding thing because then all of these other things that you were doing to distract yourself and other people from seeing the truth of you fall away and then after a while you just be, you just become content just showing the people showing people the truth of you <laughs> you no longer need to distract them with all these trinkets and all these accomplishments and things that you know you think matter or they think matter you're just finally showing them your being, your heart, right? What matters to you, the essence of you. And that requires a lot of courage. And so I'm proud of you for having that courage, you know, for, for taking the time, you know, for, for really seeing yourself, right? You know, we all live in this world where we're, you know, we say that we want to be seen. But we don't realize that the person that we want to be seen by is ourselves. You know, and if we could spend more time seeing ourselves, seeing the human being that we are, right, without judgment, you know, we would realize something so far beyond my ability to even articulate in words. (laughs) You know, we would realize it. And more than even just realizing it, we would embody it. And then all of a sudden, this reality that once didn't make any sense and seemed unfair or seemed unjust or seemed harsh or seemed lopsided would just become perfect. I'm so grateful for you. I just, I love you. You're just one 
big, big hearted. Just thank you for seeing yourself. Therefore, you can see everyone. <laughs> That's everything. When you know yourself, you know everyone. When you love yourself, you love everyone. But knowing yourself means knowing the human being that you are. And loving yourself means loving the human being that you are. Sending you all my love. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.